Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with more than 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients, serving Louisiana clients for 100 128 years and now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities, iberiabank.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers' Comp, Resource Management, LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. No matter which era of recent U.S. history we look back on, we seem to be constantly working on two issues, healthcare and education. The debate at the center of these discussions is often financial. Where is the federal and state money for reform going to come from? And if reform is privately funded, how are these fundamental requirements distributed equally? In Louisiana, and especially here in New Orleans, healthcare and education are going down their own unique and very different paths. New Orleans is the only city in the United States where 100% of the public schools are charter schools. What started as a post-Katrina experiment has become a nationwide trend-setting model. The executive director of the Louisiana Association of Public Charter Schools is Caroline Romer Shirley. Caroline, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having me. And now in healthcare, although here in New Orleans we are spending millions of dollars constructing hospitals, the Katrina decimation of the healthcare system has not led to any sweeping citywide change. That instead has been left to individuals like Lena Sendik. Lena is the owner and CEO of Balance Integrative Health a new medical clinic that offers traditional Western medicine as well as alternatives from acupuncture to Ayurveda. Lena, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Now, Caroline, it's extraordinary how much our public education system has changed. Uh, just a couple of years ago, a member of the old Orleans Parish School Board went to federal prison for scamming money off the purchase of algebra software, and a recent NPR report said corruption was so bad that the FBI had to set up a satellite branch in the school's board building. Now you'd think with a decentralized system there'd be even more room for fraud, but apparently, or, or hopefully, uh, there's not. How does the business model for public charter school work? I mean, where does the money come from and, uh, and where does it go to? Well, so charter schools are a public school. So they're funded just like your traditional public schools. Which is Texas. So. Yes. Okay. So Mainly, it's uh, called the Minimum Foundation Program. So it's a portion of local taxes and state dollars. And just for my benefit, is it? I've always heard it was mainly it was property taxes with the bulk of that? Yes, okay. property and sales okay. tax is involved. Um, and so being funded that way, they're held to many of the same standards that a traditional public school are in 
including around finances. So when you mention corruption and theft and those sorts of things, there are checks and balances in place to try and prevent that type of behavior. Um, but the model is set up so that schools make decisions as close to children as possible, close to the classroom, as opposed to an elected board, a centralized office that makes the decisions very high up and away from the school building. A charter is given the autonomy to oversee things like their curriculum, their budget, their hiring and firing processes, et cetera. Even when they open, uh, we have charters, for example, that open seven in the morning until seven at night. So they have flexibility to serve the population in their building to the best of their ability. And what are we looking at size-wise here? Is we have, uh, is it about 90 schools and about 40 charter organizations? Yeah, it's always changing. There's about 138 <laughs> charter schools in the state. The majority of those, more than 65 of them, are in New Orleans. And so, as you stated earlier, uh, New Orleans is the only city in America that's majority charter school. So very innovative, very unique. A lot of people get focused on the academic side of things, but I actually am fascinated with the innovations that come in governance as well as in the financial side of and things. And people are copying us, right? I saw, was it uh, Memphis and Detroit were kind of yes. moving that way? Yeah, majority of charters in New Orleans came about through the Recovery School District, which was a law passed before Katrina by the legislature that allows the state to take over uh, schools that have over consecutive years not met academic standards. So most of your schools in New Orleans are part of the recovery school district and now we're seeing other cities start replicating that model. Detroit, Memphis, other places like that. Now, now Lena, um, you've been on many sides of healthcare. You've worked in sectors as diverse as the pharmaceutical industry, charity hospital, health insurance. With your current venture, you're going locally where the nationwide market seems to be going. There appears to be a growing mainstream acceptance of alternative medicine options. I'm wondering what that looks like on the ground. Is your clinic structured like a mall where I come in and I, I see a regular doctor or a Western kind of doctor, doctor or I get acupuncture? Or is it care integrated from the clinic side so that my doctor might prescribe acupuncture or an acupuncturist might send me to a Western doctor? How, how does that work? Yes, it is more integrated on the ground side as well. Everybody sort of works together. Uh, point of entry can be at any point. You can come and see a massage therapist first. You can come and see the MD first. You can come and see the Eastern medicine provider first. And they all work together. And in many occasions, depending on what the circumstances are and who's in the clinic on any particular day, you may get three practitioners coming in to talk to you. And in some, you know, at least a few years back, a lot of those people didn't like each other. Is, how's it, is that getting better? It is getting better, and I think that that's happened from both sides of the spectrum. Um, now, Western medicine, they are offering uh, board certifications in integrative medicine, so we're having a population of physicians that are becoming more and more open-minded to Eastern medicine, mind-body medicine, uh, and incorporating that in standard treatment. And then the Eastern medicine practitioners are becoming a little bit more open-minded to some Western practices that have been around for a long time and maybe not as accepted by the general Western practitioners. Caroline, let me ask you, what are the criticisms of charter schools? I mean, you know, we see a lot of better numbers coming out, but yet you still see people that are argue against it. What, what are they focusing on? Well, you know, 
it can run the spectrum. Charter schools are a national thing. It's not limited to New Orleans, and some of those complaints are very similar across the country. A lot of times focusing on the idea that charter schools select or cherry pick their students, meaning they don't enroll all students that come to them for a seat. In New Orleans, though, I feel like charter schools have actually really been innovative and pushed around such policies to protect against that. When you are all a system of all charter schools, if each of those schools adopted bad behaviors as it relates to enrollment, those students wouldn't have any place to go. So charters and their leaders themselves have stepped up and created solutions to prevent those sorts of things. The other thing that comes up oftentimes too, it's a change. It's a different way of delivering public education and as I'm sure Lena can appreciate, any change is uh, can cause anxieties and fears. A lot of times it's just a lack of understanding and information. But some people, for example, don't like the fact that charter schools are not um, overseen by elected politicians. Uh, instead, they have nonprofit boards that are volunteers that have certain expertises. And again, the idea is to work as close to the classroom and teachers as possible and get away from the politics that we think exist too often in K-12 education. Well, and, and Lena, when I think of um, alternative medicine, I, for instance, I've spent some time on the West Coast. It's a big piece of the pie over there, but is it a is it just trying to get the rest of us to kind of start thinking that way? Or? Well, yes, and I actually really agree with what Carolyn was just saying because I named the clinic Balance, and it is a balance, and it starts with community. It starts with education, even on the healthcare end. And change is very slow, and change is even slower here. We move at a different pace than the rest of the country, and that's why adoption is always slower, and it's harder for people to want to want to change it's it's not easy and yes these models are existing in probably 17 to 19 other states and it's working and it's working well but it's a different premise and it's a different way to look at healthcare it's really based on keeping you well and so you're really changing the definition of success here in healthcare i mean so yeah. what do you, what do you how do you judge success is there are there numbers oh, or matrixes that's a loaded question okay. uh, <laughs> if we're creating a healthier population then we're succeeding. We aren't right now. And the way we want to spend the money overall is to encourage people to get sick and stay sick. And we don't look at the long term. If we focused on our youth and those of us that are kind of already healthy and not having severe concomitant disease states, we can prolong the time to illness and therefore not have to utilize so much in 20 years, changing the model now, we could reduce the amount of spending in enormous ways and we would have a healthier population overall. You know, go ahead, yeah. I'm fascinated because I originally I thought healthcare, charter schools, what exactly are we gonna have in common? But what I'm hearing Lena talk about is empowering people to make decisions and, and the work she's doing is really changing a culture and how we've thought about healthcare. Very similar in public ed and charter schools. We're empowering parents and teachers to make choices about where they want to be, whether that's as their students or where they're teaching. And that's very powerful when a parent actually has to 
um, actively engage in decisions around their child's education rather than being told because this is your zip code and because I'm your elected politician, this is where you're going to go to school. So we share that in the sense of it's a change in our thinking. It's empowering people to have ownership over their future, whether that's their health future or their education future. And I just think that is super dynamic. And at the end of the day, we'll have better results. However we may measure them and argue about the data, it will improve, I think, the lives of kids and New Orleans in general. And Lena, I was just thinking, Eastern medicine, um, that, whole, that, that whole category, does uh, insurance cover that? Not in Louisiana. Okay. It is covered in many other states. Uh, in those 17 to 19 states, those states have actually formally recognized Eastern medical practitioners as doctors. They go through four years of medical school, 3,000 hours of training, just like a regular internist. However, we don't recognize those practitioners in Louisiana. It's really a different philosophy and mindset to approach medicine but they make so much sense when you put them side to side. It's really kind of undeniable when you look at a chart of the body and the way our blood flows, the way our air flows, and then you look at an Eastern chart of way your meridians flows and your energy flows, it's, it makes sense. Even to a Western physician, when they, it's kind of undeniable at times. And they work very well synergistically together as adjunct therapy. I would never tell someone, you've got a broken leg or you've got cancer, don't see the Western medicine doctor. But when using all of these therapies together, it can really just make a difference. And now we're starting to see the science behind it all. I like we, the fact that both of you have, um, you know, recognized this is going to be a, a long change. It's, and, it's, uh, and you don't seem to, you seem to have the perseverance to, to, li- to push through it, which is, which is great. I, it's it must frustrating be, I was going to say, a lot of politics, I'm yeah. sure, a lot of lobbying, a lot of special interest involved in both of these settings. But again, as New Orleans goes on 10 years next, next summer for Katrina, um, I think what we've done educationally has been pretty miraculous, but we still have a very long way to go, Peter. I mean, until all people in this city um, can point to a public school and say, I- I'd like my child to go there, we're not good enough yet. And we don't have everybody doing that yet. And my goal is, um, you know, to have people join me and my son in our, our public school and be supportive of what we can gain through that time there. Caroline, you've, you've got uh, also another kind of rift in the city between public education and private education. I mean, where, where does... Where does that shake out now, particularly with all the changes you've implemented? It's a, it's a good question. Um, so when we talk about choice in New Orleans, we actually have a, a really wide array of choices. As you just said, we have uh, traditional public schools, charter schools that are also public, and then the private and parochial, which also includes a voucher or scholarship program that um, certain students can qualify for. New Orleans actually has one of the highest per capitas, I think, around people attending Uh, private school. Uh, This being a population of so many Catholics, um, um, a lot of people, yes, are deeply rooted in, you know, Catholic education. And so, you know, the whole idea of presenting to uh, folks an array of choices um, that best meets the needs of their students I think is fantastic. While there may be some that kind of buck the idea of dollars going to private schools and that sort of thing, again, I just want to empower parents 
and not around their checkbooks, but around what works best for their kids. So I, I find the dynamic actually, I like competition. I think with competition, you end up getting a better product. And for too long, we've treated education like a monopoly, um, whether that's a zip code or a wallet. And so I like the idea of spreading, spreading the love around and letting people, you know, again, make some choices that I can't think of anything more important for your kids than what you do for them educationally. And not to put more pressure on you, but when we have people that come on the show, one of the things they talk about is all the young people coming to New Orleans, but in order to get them to stay, the school system has to be such that... It, it, and that goes back to my point earlier. We still have a long way to go because there are still too many people uh, in the city of all colors and backgrounds who are forking over ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a year for education. And, and that just, you know, in the, in the end, we will lose great people, whether they're from here as natives or come here uh, for, for work. Ultimately, they may make other choices based on the cost of education for their kids and, and the quality. And you know, one of the reasons people come here is that, I mean, it's, a, it's certainly the most fun place in the country, but also it's relatively inexpensive compared to Boston, New York, San But when you factor in that cost of education, that, that equation starts to fall apart. Absolutely. I know from myself and my family, I have a first grader, and uh, early on we did private pre-K, and I was thrilled to get rid of that, that, that bill. I loved the school, don't get me wrong, but it's like a car a year, and so um, we're happy to be in a public school. <laughs> now, Lena, let me ask you about the insurance side of all you're dealing with over there. Uh, Affordable Care Act, you know, that's been, you know, it's, it's certainly all, all the politicians are talking about. How has that affected you and kind of what's next? As I mentioned before, we don't really have health care. We have sick care. In a lot of cases, we're paying for the in case of, and we don't utilize. There's a ton of us that don't utilize and pay an awful lot of money for insurance, even through our employers. And with a licensed agent that can walk you through the process, there's a lot of ways to save a lot of money on health care, depending on your, your needs. Um, there are people out there that make an awful lot of money and are paying very, very, very inexpensively their health care insurance for their families because they know how to work through the system. In some cases, it may be very much the best choice for you to pay your penalty in 2015. $325, if you don't use your insurance and you're pretty healthy, you may not find a plan uh, that you know, really offers you the same thing as we really look at what actual costs out of pocket are for care. Now, Caroline, Lena, I want to take a minute to introduce you to Drew Goldsbury. Now, we met Drew through 52 businesses who specialize in uncovering entrepreneurs in the early stages of development. Drew's entrepreneurial idea is called Cinnamon Brooms, and I have to tell both Caroline and Lena that I have no idea what this is either, so we're all in the same, same boat. I'm, I'm going to give Drew one minute to tell you about it, then I'm going to give each of you a chance to ask uh, one question, a question that you think will, he'll be able to need to answer to move the business forward. And uh, we don't have an elevator, but I'm ready for your one-minute elevator pitch. <laughs> All right, guys. So the, the project is cinnamonbrooms.com. Uh, me and my friend Alex Mulvana uh, started this project about a month ago. Uh, we were interested in kind of breaking away from aerosols, and we were tired of having to spend 30 bucks a month to make our house smells, smell good. Uh, and so we scoured the 
the market online and we found cinnamon brooms and we all remember cinnamon brooms as that thing my grandmother had hold, you know, in her house. And, um, you know, we decided that it was, it was kind of it's time to come back and, you know, with this green movement and, you know, really we need to stop spraying so many aerosols for our pets, our family and so forth. Um, we are really excited to be at, at here at the lunch and, um, you know, we're really excited for, to hear your questions. Thanks. Um, so you see it less as utilitarian, like it's meant to be more decorative than like an actual tool in my house? I think that's the unfortunate um, kind of way it's been marketed. And I, I Because I use a broom. I use a broom in my kitchen and that sort of thing. So can I use this as a broom? Absolutely not. I think that would be a complete waste of time <laughs> as you would have bristles everywhere uh, and you would create more mess than good. How long does it take time to make one broom? Uh, a really skilled guy could probably pull one off in a minute. I mean, they, make one. It uh, well, because well, you have to understand we break up the processes. So, mm -hmm. you know, one day it would just be guys ripping these down, uh, kind of collecting branches, right? That's, that'd be a whole day. And then you would create the vats of oil and water and let mm -hmm. them sit for a day. So they only have to sit in the oil for a day. Yeah, definitely. And okay. then they absorb enough. And then you kind of, while, while they're still malleable, you fasten them together, let them dry, and they're done. Okay, so it's, it's not a several-month process oh, of no, soaking or all. anything. like not That's what I, I was getting at. Now, Drew, thank you so much for coming by today. We'll look forward to following your progress with cinnamon brooms. Uh, we're going to stick around a little longer after the show and talk some more about cinnamon brooms. You'll be able to hear the rest of that conversation with Drew Goldsbury on our website, itsneworleans.com. Caroline Romer, Shirley, Lena Sendik, there's nothing more basic than healthcare and education. Both issues concern all of us, and it's fascinating to learn about the true alternative approaches we're talking about uh, here in New Orleans. Uh, thanks for everything you do for the health and education of the city, and thanks, both of you, for joining me on, uh, on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Great guests. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Caroline Romer-Shirley, Executive Director of the Louisiana Association of Public Charter Schools, and Lena Sendik, owner and CEO of Balance Integrative Health. You can find out more about Caroline's schools and Lena's clinic by following the links on our websites, WWNO or itsneworleans.com. The show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Chris Keogh is our researcher today. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's neworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from Baton Rouge-based PreSonus Audio Electronics. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And from Iberia Bank, offering comprehensive banking services designed to meet the needs of consumer, small business, and commercial clients. For 128 years, Iberia Bank has served Louisiana clients.
now serving a regional base with a commitment to developing people and investing in its communities. IberiaBank.com Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp, Resource Management LLC, Fidelity Bank, and 30 North Investments.